CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall here with Michael J. Flores, another episode of Top 8 Magic. Mike, I understand we were noisy the last time we uh, you and I recorded together. Yeah, I think we're going to have to not do public recordings in front of the musical coffee shop anymore. Oh, I, yeah. I, I didn't like it. I, didn't like that. I mean, when's the last time I ever was critical about the sound quality of this podcast? Well, I was just like, oh, this is not up to snuff for a, uh, Top 8 Magic 2019. Did you get a chance to listen to uh, last week's episode? It was so good. I'm going to retire. <laughs> so good. I would rather listen to that. That was uh, such a good one. Yeah, we, if you didn't listen to it, we, uh, we did an episode with V. Moshowitz. Uh, where he just like talked through like his favorite factor fictions and like some of his best soul reads and you know winning a pro tour, which is something where you get an opportunity to get our insight into that. It was like I mean experience is really unusual. I think it's funny he was talking about like it's like oh we knew how good our deck was for that he didn't know how good his deck was <laughs> in two thousand he's like I think we have like a fifty percent matchup against Red Green that's that's how I remember it now obviously I'm super cheer for him Solutions one of the great decks right it was like one of the great finishes you know especially they're like four generic rocket shoes decks in that top eight all from the same team I'm, of course i'm cheering for it, but at the time he was just like yeah we just want to do something different i think this deck is, is pretty capable but i do certainly resonate with the feeling of like sometimes you just have the deck and you're like oh this deck is something special and what, what's like what's the time you felt like that Napster, I thought my deck was good for that regionals, regional championship actually, prior to nationals, yeah. but not until like around round three. Uh, and once I won like round three, I was just like, I just can't lose. And then I think like I played multiple mono blue decks before I had to make top, and I just, I just, you know, you're not zero to, zero to win, you know, <laughs> like some number greater than zero to win. And I just got them, you know? And once I had made top eight, I was just like, you know, I was already qualified at that point, right? Uh, I ended up finishing, I think, top four. Once I'd made top eight, I was just like, yeah, I think this is the, the great accomplishment of my of my deck design career. Uh, that was 19 years ago now. Do you still feel that? I think from a paradigm standpoint, that was a real special deck. I mean, it's clearly it's not the same thing. Like, you were talking, I think, with Greg Collins about this once, and he was just like, thrashing Wumpus. How is that a playable match for the Gathering <laughs> card, right? So, yeah, it's, even beatdown decks were a little bit slower back then. Uh, I think it taught us about how to play Magic in a way that hadn't, hadn't existed prior to that. Uh, certainly by Nationals. Our, our, our testing for all Nationals was, I think, like seven games or something. Like, I think we played, like... Three games of White Weenie, like three games of like something else. John won every game. I was going to say, you have to feel pretty vindicated in your deck choice if John is just on board with it, right? We, we didn't even play ten games. He played like three games against White Weenie, won them all easily, played like three games against like some green deck, three tournament, and then like two games against Mono Blue, where I told, like Chris McCool was playing the Mono Blue side. I told John to make the opposite play that John made. He didn't do what I said twice, <laughs> lost both games. Right? right? He's like, my play was right. I'm like, your play was wrong. Uh, and then he lost. And then he did it again. And he lost again. And then he's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're just playing this. This is clearly better than everybody else's deck. 
then we figured out, uh, I think Hashim Bello actually figured out. Was Hashim qualified for that Nationals? I don't remember, but he, he just figured out playing strong golf cabal, which I don't think we had prior to Nationals. Okay. And we were like tutor for strong golf cabal against their punish matchup. There was like an overwhelming advantage there. And so obviously that, that tech ended up winning Nationals. So right. I won a grudge match qualifier. That yeah. Was, that's what I won. I won a grudge match qualifier. And then I think I, I showed Zvi my deck and I was just at the grudge match qualifier. And I was just like, hey, I think this deck is something special. And Zvi says, why? And I said, I think it beats all the decks, right? And this is the reason why. And Zvi said, well, a deck can't be good unless it's good. Like, it's something along those lines. Is just because just it beats all the decks doesn't make it good. It actually has to be good on the fundamentals. And this deck isn't. That's a, he said something like that. And like a week later, he's just like, I changed two cards in your deck. Now it's good, right? He ended up playing Replenish at Nationals that year. Lost to Steve Mahoney Schwartz uh, for top 16, I think. What was Steve playing? Napster. He was on Napster, okay. Uh, so I think Napster was good. I think the Naya lightsaber deck in 2009, which was... 10 years ago at this point. Right, that was Andre Coimbra winning the World Championship. That was important for other reasons. I mean, like, I didn't invent those theories. You know, John Kim did in the early days of Schools of Magic, right? So, Naya Lightsaber was a Kim Philosophy deck. I did make the correct mana base, which, you know, to this day, Frank Carson doesn't understand. Right? Wow. <laughs> um, so... Uh, the the mana base was good. You had to gamble a little bit. Well, there's, you know, I talked to people about this. You don't have enough red sources, and I'm like, problem is you lose too many games to speed problems if you don't, if you don't play a certain way. And we basically played without jungle, what's the name of it? Jungle Basin? Jungle Shrine? Jungle Shrine, is that the name? The, the Tri-Land. The, the Tri-Land. Yeah. And the main criticism was, I can't take this deck seriously, it doesn't have Jungle Shrine, right? Right. But, the folks on Jund were playing with Savage Lands, but they didn't have Noble Hierarch, right? So right. we were like a different, and so the entire mana base was based on getting a particular kind of basic land in place so that all of our rootbound crags and it's the green white rootbound crag. It's like legal and standard right now, and I can't Sun Petal Grove or something? Sun Petal Grove, yeah. They, they would always come into play untapped, right? right? That was the reason why the mana base was good. If you played Jungle Shrine, then. It didn't work anymore. Your, your right. manifest was, didn't come out. So that was actually the thing that was good about that deck. In addition to, uh, I just had this philosophy, like I figured out what like, the 10 best cards in standard wa- were, and I played all of them, right? So with the exception, I think, of Blightning, I had the highest concentration of the best cards in standard, like nine of the best cards in standard or something were in my deck. And that, that deck was very good. Uh, I think the Splinter Twin deck was also very good. Um, and it was like a, that was a paradigm changing deck right before that people played their Splinter Twin combo decks wrong and then after that and then people were all just on Monocopolate and then after that all the cards in my deck got banned in every format so it must have, <laughs> must have been on to something alright well let's talk a little bit about you know you're talking about Splinter Twin which makes you think about Modern where it's currently banned <laughs> um Modern Horizons coming out pretty soon. I'm actually flying out tomorrow to go to Victoria, Canada. Canadia? Where's that? Um, it's all the way, I think, out on the end. Like I, Vancouver side? It's uh, Yeah, Calgary. It's all, I, I, I stop in Calgary and get out on another smaller plane. Yeah. I'm going out for the loading ready run pre-release for Modern Horizons. Nice. So I want to talk a little bit about the new set. 
figure out what's going on with it, see what you think. Mm. Um, any any cards that have leapt out to you so far? Is there anything that has excited you? I know you are a fan of the snow. I, I was on to the snow before. I, I, I think I wrote an article back in 2005 or 2006, whenever Cold Step came out, I said, Scred is just the best card in, in standard. And people were like, yo, crazy. And then, you know, at the World Championships that year, Scred was... Right, because the cost of playing Scred was, yeah. was minimal, right? Because you just got to play all your snow-covered mountains. Yeah, so and Scred is still a widely celebrated card in modern right now, and I think it's going to get better. Right, it, gets, it, it certainly gets a lot of tools in this new set. But uh, let, let's talk about run-through some of the cards... Uh, real quick, some, some some new cards, some cards new to modern for the first time. Um, Astral Drift is sort of both, right? It's like part Astral Slide, part uh, new card. Just kind of like better than Astral Slide. It, it is better than Astral Slide because it has cycling. Astral Slide, same exact cost, has cycling for 2W, and it also has, if you cycle it, you can uh, exile a creature until it turn. Yeah, so it, it has the astral slide ability if you just cycle it, right? right? Which is kind of cool. So if you actually have an astral drift in play and you cycle an extra astral drift, you can actually get two cards. There are going to be times when that's the right play. There are going to be other times when we're just playing the astral drift and <laughs> cycling another card to get the double cycle will be better. Uh, I think that that's actually pretty cool, though, because you could just cycle an astral drift in your hand to, like... Like, you know, somebody's got a Death Shadow for sake of argument, and they're yeah. like, they've got their, I've got, a, I've got a creature with power greater than four. I've got an open blue mana. You're dead. Correct that. You're fucking dead. And then they're <laughs> in, and then you're just like, Astral Drift that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning Bolt you. Dap a blue. Pay. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> yeah? Am I right or am I right? I think that's going to be a funny one. <laughs> Hilarious. Osip Levidovich has already threatened to come out of retirement. For this card? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, he did win a Pro Tour with it, right? He did. He won the Pro Tour. It was legal. Yeah. <laughs> um, Very bad against combo decks. But <laughs> if you're going to play just a regular strategy of just putting animals on the battlefield. What are you gonna, I mean, what are you going to do with this in modern? I mean, we haven't, because Astral Slide hasn't been legal in modern. No. So this is something... What, what, what does this unlock for you? Life from the Loam suddenly gets good. Yeah, Life from the Loam does I get I mean, there are a really lot good. of cycling lands that all of a sudden have uh, something to do, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not the one-mana cycling lands, but, you know, I think we're going to try okay. to make do. Okay. There's a, there are a lot of one-mana cyclers from Amonkhet block, right, right. that mm-hmm. haven't really gotten their day in the sun. There are a lot of cards that I think, you know, the kind of hieroglyphic illumination type cards right. that are essentially the equivalent of an opt that you don't cast. Right. They get some extra value here. I do think... There's also new tools, right, for, for cycling decks because we have the... What was the card that... Everything that was cycled this turn or discarded this turn, you get to return to your hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some cool stuff Right, like there's that. some interesting tools. The thing that I'm a little concerned about is cycling is drawing. And there's like... I mean... Narset. I, it's weird. I think that War of the Spark probably is going to have ultimately a more meaningful impact on the modern format than modern horizons like all of these planeswalkers are so meaningful like narset teferi and karn are all paradigm shifting we really, cards we really need a sad trombone narset sound yeah like i mean Nar- who who would have thought that narset was going to redefine how red decks were built in standard right like the red decks like you're just like risk factor okay i choose not to pay for it. <laughs> go ahead 
I'll uh, Norse it. So it's forcing Red Dex to play four copies of Experimental Frenzy? I actually oh, think... Oh, no. I actually think... Well, I think that Rick's Mati Reveler would have taken over as the sure. default Red Deck type. But I actually, personally, I'm super into Standard right now, and I, I play four Risk Factors between my main and inside. <laughs> Narset doesn't stay on five. I mean, it's not hard to get the last three off of Narset okay. if you're a Red Deck. I okay. mean, but it is awkward sometimes. Sure. It's just weird that, that like... This three mana do nothing to the battlefield planeswalker actually causes the red deck to pause for a moment, right? That right. that does matter. And I think that Teferi and Karn are super meaningful, right? So Karn obviously has created an entirely new paradigm of building decks in modern. Right. So Karn has the ability to shut off the activated abilities of artifacts, but also the ability to get an artifact out of your sideboard. So people have been getting Mycosynth Lattice, which makes everything an artifact, which is essentially a one-sided Armageddon, right? So right. you put Mycosynth Lattice into, into play, and then the opponent's lands are now all artifacts, so they can't activate them anymore. So that can go like in any deck, and people are playing it primarily in green ramp decks because they're just not creative yet. <laughs> but like, I think like this whole like Jeskai Super Friends or Azorius Super Friends type attitude that people are already adopting in Modern can, we can embrace Karn also, right? In fact, I think that Karn might be better in those decks because the ability to, you know, spell pierce somebody else's Karn or counter their Mycosynth Lattice might matter, you know? Right. And Azorius or Jeskai can do that much better than a dumb green deck. Finally, you have Teferi, who is just utterly knocked Modern on its ear. None of this has anything to do with Astral Draft, does it? Uh, it does. Yeah. Narset turns off all oh, this okay. chaos, right? Okay. I mean, okay. so... So Teferi shuts off every Suspense spell, shuts off every Cascade spell. Yeah, to, I mean, we, we talked about Teferi a little bit on the castle. We were talking about the set. We thought this card was going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if you have an Astral Diff, they could just bounce it with Teferi. Ugh. <laughs> so anyway, it'll be I, I'm curious to see which will have a bigger impact on Modern, modern Horizons or War of the Spark. Wow. My money's on War of the Spark right now. Okay, okay. Well, in the meet, let's let's look at the things that um, Modern Horizons is giving us. Battle Screech, just as a reprint. Eh. Uh, Dismantling Blow, this is a card you and I have have, always, have long loved. Yeah, I've never liked this card. You've never liked this no, card? I never even played it in Standard. The only argument ever, I used to... This is I, an Invasion Era card. Yeah, so Zvi played it back in the day, and I was just like, this card is worse than Disenchant. I always confuse you two. This card is worse than Disenchant. I mean, I was always this. Remember, even in when we made that. So when you say the reason it's worse than Disenchant, it's obviously three. It costs three as opposed to two, but you have the opportunity to kick it for another three and draw two yeah. cards. So, and I was just like, look, if you're gonna, you know, play this a card like this, two is way better than three. If you're talking about taking out Sapperling Burst, if you're talking about taking out Chimeric Idols, you're often on you're on the back foot already. Their deck has eight birds and elves. You really want to pay three for this effect. And Zvi's argument was, in the mirror match, I can hit my own Sabo's web. And, like, I know that sounds stupid, but the game is going to go, like, 40 turns. Hitting my own Sabo's web ain't bad. And so right. that was... I think he might be right. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Uh, force of Virtue. So this is a cycle of Force cards that all let you pitch a card of the same uh, color to pay instead of the spell's cost. If it's not on your turn. If it's not on your turn. So it's a bunch of interesting uh, decisions. So Force of Virtue is 2WW for an enchantment with Flash. It's basically a crusade for you. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, So actually a glorious anthem. And then if it's it's not your turn, you can exile a white card rather than pay it. 
seems like a pretty weak card to me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's this cheaper... I mean, not cheaper than free, but <laughs> pitching a card is always but, is always pretty... Uh, but nobody really crusades. Awesome. I think that there are decks that would want a crusade, like a like an Intangible Virtue, for example, I think is a better crusade than... than or even like a Favorable Wins is a better crusade than a crusade. Uh, just because of the type of, of go-wide strategies right. you have. Nobody just plays like White Weenie with Crusades. The, the question is to look at what new cards, what other new things might get unlocked, right, As by virtue of this set that yeah. would make you want something like this, where, you know, like one of the problems you often find with a Crusade deck is that you want to be pe- playing your creatures. You don't have a ton of mana. Sometimes you're pretty constrained. Like, maybe you'd rather just pitch one of your, like, you know, a like redundant is Samaru, you know, and, and, and play this. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. I'm not into that card. All right, we'll see. We'll see. I like this card, but I mean, it's not as exciting as some of the other forces. It's How about like, Generous uh, Gift? <laughs> you think this one's going to be a good card? Uh, I mean, this card has been a good card in other colors. Right, it's just Best be- Within, it's, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just Beast Within. Uh, two and a white, destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a green. Elephant token creature. It makes even a green one, Yeah, right? it does, yeah. Make sure you don't forget. Um, never, hashtag never forget. But, I mean, this also hits lands, right? Like, this does, this is this doesn't even say non-land permanent, right? It does, basically hits everything uh, that you want. Yeah, it it's an hit, instant. It can even hit your own permanent, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. which is sometimes randomly useful. Yeah, like um, you decide you don't want your force of virtue anymore. You're like, what did I, I do to a, myself? I pitched a perfectly good hound of Vizamaru to make to play this. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, this card's sweet. You, you, you're expecting uh, that this card will see play? I think it's probably playable. I mean, Best Within has been consistently played in multiple decks since, you know. Yeah, but isn't it played in multiple decks because... Because it has a stupid casting cost, yeah. And because... The green, only reason. And because green just doesn't have access to a lot of that type of ability. No, I think it's primarily played because it's a stupid casting cost. Right, yeah. so the, the card Best Within costs three... And, like, normally people would play, like, a real card for a real casting cost, like some sort of, like, an Assassin's Trophy or, right. uh, or an Abrupt Decay. But again, this gets around a Spell Snare. It, well, no, it's specifically, it, it specifically doesn't trigger a Cascade, right? So if you're playing a Cascade oh, sure. that costs three, right, like, the last thing you want to do is accidentally play, like, a fair one-for-one one card instead of your combo piece, right? So right. decks that want to get a Living End or, like, a... You know, uh, what was the what was the Eureka one that people played? Hypergenesis. Yeah, or Hypergenesis. Like, the last thing you want to do is accidentally... Sure. <laughs> ...bolt a creature. Like, I'm about to win! Oh, I guess hit your elf. <laughs> <laughs> Upgrade your elf to a 3-3. Um, giver of Runes. W for a 1-2 not-human core cleric. Cores are sweet. Uh, tap another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn. And this card's kind of dopey because it can't hit itself. It, so, so Mother of Runes was always able to yeah. protect itself. Uh, this can't. and uh, But it does get this added bonus of protection from colorless. So I think this card might be played at higher frequency in Legacy. Where you play like an eight pack of Mother of Runes, yeah, like I could see that, but I, I don't think this is a high incentive card for modern, right? Like, uh, but Wait, what shell would it fit into? 
I don't like there's not a you know a Stoneforge Mystic deck in modern right? right so you want a card like Mother of Runes when you have a guy who's wearing the Jide or is carrying a batter skull and you're like alright I'm just going to protect this queen and then we're going to get in there for massive advantage with two or three attacks or even a sword maybe and but in modern you're just like I don't know. It's not even a human. If no, it were a human, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'd be like, all right, let's is, talk about this. It is this. clearly very deliberately not a human. You know, so, like, I'm like, all right, not a human. Also, like, who do you want to protect but, in the humans' day? All the guys as, think. As a notorious red player, does this card ever give you pause? No, it can't protect itself. Like, it's just in play. I'm just like, that's three damage and a prowess trigger. <laughs> like, that's all it is. Like, like I mean, you just... I just attack into it with you a monastery's whisper. You, you, you don't even have to play around it. No. Okay. Like, but like, how a, like how incompetent of a red player do you have to be to not be able to deal with this thing with like a two turn window? I have played on board trick. Go. Like, like it's, it doesn't have haste. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, shit can go bad. Like. <laughs> Sometimes you're playing the red mirror and they have a four four steamkin. Like, if they have a four four steamkin. Something has gone wrong with the plan. It happens, though, you know? Uh, common card, 1W for a 3-1 shapeshifter changeling, uh, imposter of the sixth pride. Unplayable in construction. Yeah. I mean, is this a draft format also? It's it has a draft to be. Format. Okay, yes, right? Yes. Like, very, very much. In fact, I'll be drafting it on Thursday. Okay. Uh, King of the pride, 2W for a 2-1 cat. So a little bit more expensive than the imposter, but... It has the other cats you control get plus two, plus one as it's... That's uh, a powerful boost. It is a powerful boost. And, like, I, you, you, this seems like a, also a very powerful... There's a lot of things that, at instant speed, make cats. Yeah. Like, where you get to just, like, tap out for that, untap, and play this. I don't think cats are going to be good enough to play. But I think it's cute that they made a There symbol. are a lot of cats. The cats... Cats have been kind of quietly pushed. I mean, the problem is you don't have a lot of tricky cats. They're all pretty straightforward. It's, they just kind of play to the board and yeah, it's just cross like their the, paws and hope for the best. It's just like the wrong casting cost. It's the wrong... T- it's 2-1 by itself. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. Um, like a, like, a, like an, a non-landfalled searing kills this with value. And, like, and tempo, right? Yeah. It's... It's like kind of a disaster of a card. <laughs> like you just can't really play a card like this. Um, like well, and then like on the other hand, you're just like, oh yeah, but I, like I mean, this or a primeval titan. Like you, you pick a pile, right? The primeval titan is better than this, also. <laughs> um, Martyr Soul, two uh, W for three two with Convoke. Uh, when Martyr Soul enters the battlefield, if you control no tap lands, put two plus one plus one counters on it. So it's a spirit, spirit soldier, soldier, right? Yeah. So it's also not a human. But it goes in the, the spirit stack has been pretty good in, in modern. Are you really going to play another three casted cost spirit for your Aether Vial that just doesn't do anything special? It's just like. Just comes down as a 5 4. It's just a medium sized creature. But like you're bending your whole. Like you, you can't spend any mana the turn that you're going to do it. Like. Well, you can. Put it into play. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not in love with this card. Like, it's... I, I just don't think it's good, right? Like, you... Like, I think it's but cute. It, it you can it, play it in... You can play it in draft. It's I think cute. it's interesting in that it gives you another way to double spell without an Aether Vial. Yeah, You see so, what I'm saying? So, like, so in a deck that just has some critical mass of creatures, right? Like, on turn two, even, 
you might have, or turn three, before you do anything else, you can convoke this into play off of a couple creatures and so, play something else. So the thing is, like, does... I'm, the, not, a, I'm are, not a huge fan. I'm not... Are you that... You might be right, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I would say it's like, does the Spirits deck need another three drop? No. Okay? Like, their three drops are already Geist of St. Traff, which they don't play four copies of, right? And Spell Queller, which right. they might not play four copies of, right? Both of those cards are miles better than this card. Yes. Like, miles better. And they don't even play four copies. My conclusion is nobody needs a five for that much, right? Like, also, you're just pants down. You're like, all right, I'm going to tap down all my stuff to make a five four. Like, you just might lose then. All right, so we've talked about cores. We've talked about cats. We've uh, talked about uh, spirits. We've got a human now. Uh, 1WW for 3-3. Three, three. Ranger Captain of Eos, human soldier. Uh, when Ranger enters the battlefield, you may search a library for a creature card with converted mana cost one or less, yeah. et cetera. Put it into your hand. But this also has Sacrifice Ranger Captain of Eos. Your opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn. So we were talking earlier about Naya Lightsaber. That was a Ranger of Eos. Yeah. Deck. But this is also, like, the best Gnarled Mask they've ever printed, right? This card's really good, right? I, I think Critical Mask was the best deck I ever made, actually. <laughs> so that was a really good deck. I mean, it was just a mostly... It top-aided to Grand Prix, but it's mostly a PTQ deck. Yeah. Um, this card is... I mean, if getting a 1-1 were good enough to do, this card would be absurd, right? Right. But I have a hard time believing I would actually want to spend three mana to get a 1-1 one, one creature in in modern like in standard when we did it you, you would just go like you know get two noble hierarchs and you could like buff in or you get scoop mob was the big finisher you just go get the scoop sure. mob and then sure. like if they didn't kill scoop mob it was like a four four next turn it was like a nine nine the next turn after that i don't think that this is going to create a market for scoop mob in modern i guess we could kind of go kind of the kind of the paul Ritzel direction and just have like these one casting cost creatures that can level up, right? Some kind of figure, figure of destiny, destiny type guys. Sure. That's all right. I mean, this is a, I, I the abeyance power. I was is just pretty gonna good. say the abeyance power. Like, I, I don't even know if this is necessarily a card you want to start, but like, certainly this. There's certain decks where you just want to have this card, you know, and you're just like, okay, blue white control or planeswalker deck that's building. You know, like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get a card for this. Right, I'm gonna get some value for this, and I'm gonna keep you off of your next turn, which is your wrath turn, your Jace turn, your like, whatever turn. I think that there are definitely decks that you could make that include this card. For example, like I can imagine like a red-white mid-range deck that would get Grim Lava Mancer against humans or Affinity, or uh, Burnton Forge Tender against me. Like, if you had this thing and then you're just like, go get, you get four mana, like this, go, Burnton Forge Tender, go. Right? Like, that would be pretty good against Burn. I think if you get, like, like, humans just can't kill a creature. So if you're just like, go get, go get Grim Lava Mance, or Affinity especially, you just, you might just annihilate them. <laughs> like a 3-3 three, three and a Grim Lava Mancer. That's pretty good. And then especially, like, I guess neither of those decks really cast spells, so... Like I can't. I don't really care if I'm stopping yeah. from casting a a Mox Opal or something. Right. But yeah, it could be okay. Maybe you get a Segovian Angel. No, that's that's you, an available thing you can do. You could get a Segovian Angel, which is W for a one-one flying vigilance angel. 
Is that uh, even playable in drafts? <laughs> you know, I would traditionally have said no. Yeah. But I've been proven wrong time and time again for the last few draft sets that, like, super aggressive flyers are sometimes just fine. Well, so. I don't think it's probably likely to be good in yeah. Constructed, but you know who will be good in Constructed. Yeah, we talked about Sarah the Benevolent already, right, but let's talk on. about it. I mean, 2WW for a legendary Planeswalker Sarah. It's four uh, plus two creatures you control with flying, get plus one, plus one until the end of turn. Pretty good. That's a plus two ability. Yeah. So for the same cost of that stupid force that you're trying to get me to play yeah. by discarding <laughs> a card, I just get this full value while adding loyalty. And minus three is create a Sarah Angel. Yeah, this is like pretty, I mean, I kind of want to play this in Sarkin. But you're like this, make a four, four, Sarkin, make a four, four. And then, like, the next turn, you're just, like, with all your flyers are 5-5s. Five five. Then you turn them all into planeswalkers, and, like, everybody's 5-5. Five five. That's so good. Too bad they'll never be on the same battlefield yeah. together. Yeah, And then it has minus 6. You get an emblem with, if you control a creature, damage that would reduce your life total to less than 1 reduces it to 1. Instead. I mean, this card is obviously bananas. Yeah, you think people can play it in modern? I think that it is unbeatable for some strategies. You have, a, you have a hard time with this card with your red decks? No, I'll kill all their creatures. <laughs> I mean, I, it might give me pause. I might have to think about it. Right. right. But, I mean, like, the fact that they can just make a... The thing is, they make a 4-4, they're never going to be in position to sure. trigger that last ability sure, sure. in all likelihood. Uh, but it is something that could potentially bother some players. I think that, like, I mean... It starts with 4, right? So to get to 6 isn't really that hard. No. I mean, like... I mean, it, go, it goes for, yeah, it goes for six. I mean, but if you're like this with a mana open and then you fog a green, it doesn't matter how big of a green deck, right? Like, you know, yeah. they could be like one of these double strike for 32 damage green decks. You just fog them for a turn. They're just like untap, make like a 1-1 one, one snake shaman and do the minus six. Good luck <laughs> losing the game. Like, probably not going to lose. Like, they're like, my deck can do a lot of funny things, but killing a 1-1 one, one isn't one of them. Is there an existing deck that wants this? I think it's probably an outstanding sideboard card. Yeah. It's a super great grinding card. It's fail state is to make a 4-4 flying vigilance for four, right. which is not the worst. Right, which then becomes a 5-5 five, five actually for every turn yeah. of the Could, tax yeah. where you're checking it back up. So, um, okay. Sisse, Weatherlight Captain. I want this card to be good so much, it's but it's human. just not good. Yeah. Uh, Sisse gets plus one, plus one for each color among other legendary permanents you control. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Like, you could have, like, a Mantis Rider, but it's just not It's just not legendary. Right. Uh, two and a white for a two-two. It also has Wooberg Search Library for a legendary permanent card with converted mana costs less than Sisse's power. They, like, went out of their way to make you not want to play with this card. Yeah, it's, like, it, it's so close to being playable in so many different ways but, you know, you, you ever see that thing just like one plus one equals three? You know, they, they used to have it on condom wrappers, but then like the math club would be like one plus one equals three for very high values of one. This is like the opposite. Like, it doesn't matter how many ones they say together. It's like one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one still equals one. <laughs> just not high enough values of one. Uh I kind of like. I don't know if it's going to find any place. Splicer's skill. 2W for sorcery. Create a 3-3 colors golem artifact creature token. But then it has splice onto instant or sorcery 3W. 
I mean, this is not a constructed playable card. Is it not a construct? It's not a card. You you couldn't you couldn't imagine a scenario where somebody plays one of these in their deck full of like, you know, cheap cantrips or like bolts or like you just like okay suddenly you're just able to like deploy stuff to the board while killing things. Like you only need to have like one of these. You know, like I can't imagine you would ever play more than one, but. Like, I could imagine a world where this card is playable. Yeah, like, some, this gets out of hand, like, in the late game. Some grindy much. Jerry Thompson deck has yeah, one on the sideboard. Uh, you know, it's really funny that you said yeah. that. Because Jerry Thompson is actually... Like, I tried to picture who would be playing well, this he card. he was the one who... And, and he, he played is, Splicer instead of, instead of uh, Geist of St. Traft. Yeah. Of course it's a Jerry Thompson card. But I don't think Jerry... <laughs> the thing is, like, the decks that Jerry plays already have, like, a bunch of, like red or black incidental ways to get sure. creatures. That's the thing. So, so, like, he just doesn't need a random 3-3 three, three that he's overpaying by 4. Right? Like, I, I mean, I, I guess you're, like, 5 mana to cast your Faithless looting. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Yeah. That's too expensive. Okay. You just want to do more things. Right? You just want to do something busted with the stuff that you got with your Faithless looting, maybe. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... I'm, I'm kind of convincing myself that you're right. And I mean, I'm not saying... I don't think it... I, I can just see myself like... Like, I'm going to throw one of yeah, these... Yeah, but you are the grand poobah of how to keep an idiot busy. Yeah, I know. I know. But yeah, like you said, like Faithful Sleuthing or anything where you're... Like, we've seen a bunch of retrace in this set. Like, oh my gosh. When we get to that red retrace <laughs> part... I mean, this is... That I want to talk about, that part. <laughs> but like, there's there's a lot of things where you have recursive... Sp- I don't know. I, I kind of just... I, I love this card. I, I don't. Yeah, but you I don't love to play draft. I like do. this is a like you're gonna draft a stupid draft deck that makes somebody miserable with this. I'm card. just saying you could build a creatureless red white control deck with like one or two copies of this in it in in like modern. And I have a creatureless becomes- red white control deck that could compete with the primeval titan decks burn and combo with this. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not you're not playing it on turn three. You're not. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. Right. If this is true, I don't I'm know. in. I, I'm I, super I can in. see a world where that happens. Um, wall of a thousand cuts. Wall of one thousand cuts. Three WW for a three five defender flying, and then it has white. Wall of a thousand cuts can attack this turn as though it didn't have defender. It's a common. It's very very limited card. Yes. Um, Winds of abandon. This card's really sweet. Uh, this card's going to be a fucking nightmare in commander. Um, already commander players hate playing against Cyclonic Rift because if you overload a Cyclonic Rift, it returns all your opponents' permanents. Oh, so everybody who's not here. And so this is the same thing. So Winds of Abandon is 1W for a sorcery, exile target creature you don't control. For each creature exiled this way, its controller searches that library for a basic land card, uh, put those onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle their libraries. But it has overload for WW, so very similar to Cyclonic Rift, one cheaper actually. Uh, and then it just says, change target to each. Wait, so, I mean, but we're giving everybody like 40 rampant growths? Sure. I mean, I, I mean, I'm giving this person who has three creatures, three rampant growths. I'm giving, you know, giving me with my 12 spiders, 12 rampant growths. Yeah, that's, I think sounds that's, pretty dangerous to a, me. Yeah, that is pretty dangerous, but still. I mean, maybe if I were splicing a 3-3 three, three onto this. Oh, my this. God, if you got a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, I, that's only 10, right? Yeah, that's, we can see, dream. that's stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. 
So you get to draw 12 and I get a 3-3? Three, three? Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't sound like I'm on the right end of the steal. Uh, here's a card I know you and I have enjoyed greatly in the past, which is Wing Shards. Yeah. This is, this is, a, this is the Turret Ogre of this set, by the way, for Limited. It's uncommon. You're going to forget about it. You're going to make a haste creature. You're going to attack with oh, everything. you guys are going to die. And you are going to die horribly. So I was thinking about this a lot, and I just come to the conclusion that specifically for modern, I mean, Settle the Wreckage is probably just better. Like, it's only one more mana. In order to get some value out of Wing Shards, somebody has to catalyze the Wing Shards, right? So yeah. let's say you're attacking you with three guys. I got a bolt one and then wing shards the other two. So, so wing shards was played in constructed. At it was the time. awesome in standard and block. Why? So why was it good there that wouldn't make it good? In well, modern? first of all, you just be willing to one for one, right, with the wing shards because you're just using it to buy time until sure. you got to your your really big white spells like a chromos. Like it doesn't matter well, how like, much card damage. I'd, I'd be have. pretty happy playing this against you if you're like attack me with you know you've attacked me with a goblin guide, and then. Also, it gets like an Acroma. Or if they have an Acroma, yeah. it gets that fine. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, and then you like Monastery oh. Swift Spear attack with both. I'm pretty happy here. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying like, I mean, spending three to kill creatures against burn is not a winning strategy most of the time. Right? So maybe you're right. Right? Like you can, you can, it's certainly not, when you're on the receiving end of that, it certainly stinks. I'm not, yeah. I'm not arguing that that's I'm not just the saying case. I, I I'm just saying that. I can certainly see the sequence of Monastery Swift Spear, attack with my two or my oh, two yeah, creatures, yeah, yeah. wing shards. Yes. If and when that were ever to occur, that player on the receiving end would be unhappy. Most likely to be you. Yeah, would be unhappy at that sequence. However, I think the more likely scenario is the guy who has wing shards in his deck is biding his time, takes four additional damage before doing this sequence because he's trying to get card advantage, and that the four additional damage might end up costing okay, him the so game. I've played a lot of wing shards. You can't do that. You can't. You gotta take. You gotta take. You, the you, you, you pull the trigger. You pull the trigger. That's what I'm saying. You gotta pull the trigger. Okay. So, but but the, but the reality is, I was always surprised by how often you would get multiple creatures with it. Um, target player sacrifices. Yeah, that creature okay. storm. So again, just just remember, at, if you're playing in a Modern Horizons pre-release, Wing Shards has reach. It's a different kind of reach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you play a haste creature into your opponent's open mana, you are going to get destroyed by Wing Shards. Um, Zalfren decoy. This card stinks. Move card on. Card stinks. All right, blue cards. Uh, let's talk about Archmage's Charm. You, you, you for an instant. Me, me, me. You, you, you. Choose one. Target, counter target spell. Sounds great. Two. Target player draws two cards. Also sounds instant great. Instant for three. Yes, it's an instant. And gain control of target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. What are some, what are some permanents you would like to control? At instant speed. At instant speed. Merit Lage token. Merit Lage token and Ether Vial. You might no. Want, you might want to just take it away from someone. Nah, nah, They've dog. got an Aether Vial out against you. Nah, you don't want to? Nah. Never? Nah, dog. How about a Champion of the Parish with some counters on it? Could do that, yeah. <laughs> Mid-combat, maybe. Mid-combat. How about a flipped um, thing in the ice? Oh, I'm in. I'm in. That's zero casting. <laughs> That's no, zero. It doesn't retain its original casting. No, no, no. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. 
Uh, I, how about a death? It'll just kill the death shadow, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think like that's also fine, right? Counter target spell for three mana is not the worst. Draw two cards for three mana is actually not bad at all. At instant speed is unusual. Yeah, the UUU is kind of prohibited. It's kind of it's kind of this is kind of targeted at a specific player. I mean, I can imagine playing this card though. <laughs> uh, it's oh, it's you're, you're, not too far off. You are one of the U's in yeah, UUU. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Bizarre Trade Mage. What do you think of this card? Two blue, three four, flying, human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, draw two cards, then discard three cards. Not into it. Not into it no, at all? This is a fair card doing an unfair thing. What about what about Inhumans and I like I ether vial this into play against your uh, Mantis Rider? Well, I don't know, like I just I eat your Mantis Rider. Yeah, that's a pretty corner situation. Like, you can't really... I also eat almost everything else. I'm... I don't think you can really build your deck to exploit this. Because the problem is, this is an unfair thing that it's doing, but it's on a fair card. It's on a fair, fairly costed card. Like, you need an effect like this to not be on a 3-4 creature for 3. That's and that's my opinion. I might be... I, I don't know where I would be wrong. Right? Like, think about... Compare this to, like, a Tempest Gin. Like, right. what card is better? I mean, Tempest Gin's better. Yeah. No one would ever play a Tempest Gin. Okay, so why would they play this thing that actually puts you down cards? Uh, because it's it's a human. It's a wizard also, uh, depending on what, where, where your tribal loyalties lie. But so I think the thing that's tough is, like, even if you have, like, a really heavily graveyard-laden deck with cards like Lingering Souls or... You know, well, again, I think if you're playing, I imagine if you're playing this, you're, you're still thinking human, so I don't know if you're going to even have one. See, that's the thing. I don't think human deck wants this. Yeah. You're just behind. But don't you, don't, but I guess, I'm just thinking about being up on, like, their, you know, the best card. You know, I think if like it's your... is just, like, such a back-breaking card. Yeah. The ability to trump it. If it's your last card, this card's obviously pretty good. But it's, like, worse than Mantis Rider unless you're in a particular situation. Like, Mantis Rider has haste. Sure. This doesn't. Yeah, that's And the other thing is, like, this thing gets dominated really badly by Reflector Mage. Like, think about how horrible is that? It's like canceling five cards, right? It's... I I don't know. I have a real hard time imagining that that this card is going to scare anybody. The thing is, like, it's not that it's bad in the abstract. It's that people are already doing way more busted things than this in modern. Right. And by definition, people are coping with the third-turn worm coil engines, right? right? Stuff like that. So if you're like, all right, is my setting unfair or unfair? If I'm on the unfair setting already, right? Like, right. I do better than a 3-4. Right, and you don't, see this, you don't see this going with, like, Arclight Phoenix. It's just too inconsistent, right? Like... If you want to, have, want to have an effect like this, like a Faithless Looting type effect, put it on a card that can trigger the Arclight Phoenix, right? Like, this sure. can't do that. Sure. All right. Uh, Chiller Pillar. Nah, we're <laughs> moving right. on, We're dog. not even talking about common. Uh, choking Tethers, Return of a Great Limited How card. about this? You think Exclude? Speaking exclude. of... Exclude. Speaking of this V. Moshowitz twins, Exclude and Factor Fiction, which of these two, if not both, will be played in the modern format? Exclude always feels too expensive to me. I, I have the same feeling. I, I, I love Exclude. I mean, Exclude always felt... I love felt, Repulse. I love Repulse, too. Yeah, we're But both, both of those cards feel a little... Even felt expensive 
in formats that they weren't too expensive. You mean for. formats that didn't have Monastery Swift Spirit, yes. Goblin Guide, and Noble yes, Hierarch? Yeah, yes. I agree. <laughs> um, Factor Fiction, on the other hand, you can always find. Oh, I think this for. is going to be a, a highly sought after source of card advantage. Yeah. I mean, Factor Fiction is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the gold standard, right? Well, the silver standard, apparently. Yes, yeah, uncommon. Um, you know, famous for, uh, you know. E- EOT Fofulos. Yes, I've, I've, people, I've seen, you know there's a t-shirt of that? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a t-shirt of that, but. Uh, that, that's a Matt Urban. Yeah, Fofulos? EOT Fofulos, that's you. That's me. I thought it was Matt Urban. No. Um, all right, Force of Negation. Here's a card, unlike the stupid crusade you wanted trying to get me to play that I can get behind. So Force of Negation is UU1 for an instant, and it has the ability counter-target non-creature spell. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it in the owner's graveyard. So it's a negate, but it's also like a, a like a RFG negate, right? It's so RFG negate, yep. And it's, and it's also a force of well. Yeah, so only if it's on your opponent's turn, right. you can discard blue. I think this is has a chance. Yeah? Has a chance, yeah. I don't think it's going to be like a whiz-bang winner. Sure. But like if there's like real fast combo decks... The problem is like if, if there are real fast combo decks such that people would like sideboard this card, there won't be real fast combo <laughs> decks anymore. <laughs> like, nah! <laughs> I gotcha! And they're like, force you back? No, you don't. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing about yeah. it, right? You have to, if it's your turn, you have to pay the mana for it. Yeah, so I think that, that that's one of those things. I think that's an important point, too. Like, if, uh, was it Extirpate seemed, like, really good? Or, like, man, Extirpate was so good that there were no graveyard decks for Extirpate to beat up on. Uh, Manowar is uh, making its modern debut. Awesome. Not uh, awesome enough to actually play. Pondering Mage is a card people have talked about. Really? Yeah. They want to pay five mana for want, a three I don't four? want to. It's a common. I was confusing it with the red one. If you drew four cards when Pondering Mage came yeah. into play, would it be playable? No. Right? Literally, no. five mana for no. three, four, draw four no. cards. Can't play it, no. right? How about Prohibit? It's another Invasion Era card. I didn't like this card in Standard. I uh, love this card in Limited. I don't even... Th- I think counters are at their best when they're countering things that cost more than they are. So Prohibit, which is a card that's countering things that are, like, literally, there's a ceiling on how much you can counter. It's tough for me to imagine that that's good enough to play. Yeah. Uh, Scour all possibilities. Terrible. Uh, One in the blue, scry two, then draw a card with flashback five. If it weren't a sorcery, I'd think about it. But, like, this is just the worst thing. Can you imagine just two... Two mana on my main phase. Use all of my mana. Well, maybe you go. Have, maybe you have uh, Teferi in play. Maybe you can just build your own. Oh yeah, speed. you're building my own. Yeah. Scout. You've got to scour all the possibilities. It's right there in the main. Yeah, right? I'm not scouring the possibility of trying this card because it seems terrible to me. All right, slivers are back. Yeah, uh, let's not do any slivers. Let's just come back and do a sliverish episode. Okay. Because we're just going to go super... I think there are a lot of real interesting sliver okay. cards. Right. But I think we would just end up going so deep on the slivers. Okay, all right. We'll, so save, we'll save slivers. Um, spell snuff. One UU instant counter target spell. And it has fateful hour. 
If you have five or less life, draw a card. I kind of am in love with this card. Yeah, I, I bet you are too. <laughs> that seems to me that that might mean it's not very good. <laughs> like, like, I love, I'm like, I am going to dismiss you. On the other hand, I'm like, I'm under five life and it's modern. Yeah. I'm tapping three. I just and they're like, three. Right here, they're like, in response, my other spell. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, as a result, <laughs> I think we might be too exuberant about this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also a common, so I don't have, uh, you know, it's usually no, a pretty I good indicator. If, what if it were just like you, you, one, counter targets, ball, draw a card? Eh? I'm in. Eh? Yeah, that's quite a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> it's about 75% better. Stream of thought, you, uh, target player, puts top four cards of their library into their graveyard, and then it has replicate two UU. So if you spend. Five mana, yeah. you can mill eight. God bless them, whoever's playing this spell nine, you you're, you're dead 12. to their goblin yeah. god. <laughs> String of Disappearances. <clears throat> this card is super cool. I don't know you, if it's good. Uh, but it's an instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand, then that creature's controller may pay you... So this is Chain Boomerang. Yeah, it's Chain... No, Chain Unsung. Chain Unsung. So Sorry. Chain Lightning is R for deal three to target creature or player that... That player can pay RR to throw it back at you at one of your one of your things. So I think that on a costing basis, this card is improved because it retains its instant speed. Unsummon from Alpha was U for an instant. Lightning Bolt from Alpha was R for an instant. Chain Lightning was downgraded to a sorcery. String of Disappearances, 26 years later, it's not. <laughs> so the thing that's interesting that you can do with this, by the way, is on like three mana, is bounce your own Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. And then still pay you you, and then bounce something of your opponents. Yeah, that is that is cool. That's kind of a cool. Yeah, I mean, not cool enough because I don't think this card is actually going to be good enough to play. Sure. Only because Vapor Snag is legal. Like I'd much rather have Vapor Snag in my seventy five than this. Wouldn't you? I don't know. I mean, I I I really like the interaction with Snapcaster. Mage. I mean, I've killed a lot of people with the damage from Vapor Snag. Sure, I love Vapor Snag. Vapor Snag's been a great card. Um, Urza, Lord High Artificer. Okay, do you want to explain just the infinite combos with this card? or uh, If you would like to explain the infinite combos, right, I will so. get out of the way. But let's tell you what the card does if you don't know already. 2UU for a 1-4. It's a legendary creature, human artificer. When it enters the battlefield, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus 1, plus 1 for each artifact you control. Tap an untapped artifact you control, add blue, and then it has five, shuffle your library, then exile the top card. Until end of turn, you may play that card without paying its mana cost. So basically, it makes an elf, right? Like, it's, right. it's the worst version of Urza just makes an elf that has haste. Right. Um, and, then, and then that's game. Is it game? No, I don't know. Uh, there are other things that you can do with this card, like making large amounts of resources. You can make large amounts of power. You can make so sort sort <clears throat> of uh, sort of the meek and Thopter Foundry. Yeah. For example, combine very well with this card. So when you do sort of the meek, and, so normally you could just do sort of the meek and Thopter Foundry and make make some guys, right? Now you make some guys, and you're like, all right, this is how many guys I have with my spare mana, right? The problem in this case is that. 
your spare mana is infinite because all of those guys are now elves. Right. right. Hasty elves. Hasty elves. They're not even elves because you're using Urza's ab static ability to let you tap yeah, them so for mana. It's not just that you can make infinite power this way. You can also just generate infinite mana and generate infinite damage also. Um, so nobody was playing Sword of the Meek Thopter Foundry. Maybe they will. This, this may change. Uh, but maybe they will, maybe they won't. Sort of the Thought Foundry was a well-known, good yeah. good combo previously. Now it's... I mean, I don't know, if you make it infinite, is it all of a sudden a lot better? Probably. Probably infinitely better. Infinitely better? Infinitely better. I mean, if you just cast, like, an Orm's Chant or something, some kind of an Orm's Chant, which is not legal currently. Yeah. Like, what do you need, seven mana? I mean, you can have pieces of your puzzle in play. Yeah, but then the jig is up. If you have like, any pieces of your puzzle in play, people know what's up. All right. You need it, you need it all. I gotcha. Uh, Fluster Storm. So this is a commander card that is uh, coming legal now in modern. Uh, instant for you, counter target instant or sorcery, unless its controller pays one and has Storm. This card is going to be awesome. Everybody should go get four. You'll thank me later. Yeah, you think just can become a modern staple? Absolutely. I mean, just if you just have it, like, it's just good everywhere. Like, imagine you were playing against any deck that had non-creature spells, right? It's like a, a force spike for those decks, and against people who are playing more than one spell in a turn, like, it's just, got, it's like a really, it's like it could be like a spell pierce, could be like a spell snare, you just like, get like a really good amount of countering for only one mana. Right. And you could potentially get multiple things. Yeah. It just really depends. Yeah. All right, on to the black cards. Cabal Therapist is a card we've talked about already. You're not too excited about this card, right? No, not really. I have a Changeling Outcast at Common. Still, that, yeah. not, no thank you. I think the thing about Cabal Therapist, going back for a second, is, um, you know, you, you can on turn two play this have uh, have already played a different creature, and then uh, at the beginning of your no 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 you can't do you that can't. it has to be on your turn too yeah you have to sacrifice this yes yeah, it's, it's kind of poopy yeah uh, crypt rats two B for a one one this is a reprint X crypt rats deals X damage to each creature and each player spend only black mana on X this card is gonna have to work real real hard to be anything but like. Kitty litter liner. <laughs> uh, Diabolic Edict. It's just going to be like the 14th best version of Diabolic Edict that's legal in the format, right? Well, what, what, what do you think is better than Diabolic Edict? I don't know. Liliana's Triumph. Okay. It's literally just better than Diabolic Edict. Okay. Uh, Dredgescape Sliver. No slivers. We'll talk about this. This is a really interesting... No movie. slivers! Let's do a lot of stuff. Feaster of Fools. Sounds promising. Uh, 4BB for 3-3 three, three flying. It's got Convoke and Devour 2. So it enters the battlefield. You may sacrifice any number of creatures. And then uh, it enters the battlefield with that many 1-1 uh, counters on it. I wish this card had some flavor text because it seems like a really flavorful card, right? Like it just doesn't have any room. Apparently it has room for its roll stacks. You're like convoking this guy into play and then eating all the guys that invoked it into play. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could really play this card. Like you're just putting all your resources into a 3-3, three, three, you know, but... All right, here's a card. Uh, Feast of Force of Despair. Also probably better than the White Force. <laughs> Uh, one BB for an instant. If it's not your turn, you may exile a black card from your hand rather than paying its cost. 
Destroy all creatures that entered the battlefield this turn. It's playable. It's like it's it's murderish. Right. That's the most I can what say if about it. You were it? playing white black astral slide, and then you slid some of their creatures out, drew a handful of cards, and then pitched one of those black cards to pay for this when their creatures came back into play. You could. And yet, it sounds to me like you don't need to kill their creatures based on the scenario that you <laughs> introduced. It's like, it sounds like I'm doing fine while drawing a bunch of extra cards. And my opponent is already subject to the force of despair because he's like, but my guys aren't even dead. <laughs> um, so you're not, you're not into this card at all? You don't. I, I don't think it's unplayable, but it doesn't seem very good to me. It just seems really conditional. Right. You know, like... So, so the place where I think a card like this really shines is also, like, I see this as, like, a sideboard card against elves if suddenly the elves deck gets a boost, right? Yeah. And then they're, like, um, going to put their stupid um, black-green elf that drains life onto the stack. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hold on a second. Let's kill a bunch of these elves. And no, no, I don't think it's unplayable. I just think that it's not very good. Yeah, okay. I think, like, That's there's certainly a Much situation. like Z1 set of one of your decks. Yeah. Yeah. That deck ended up being pretty good. <laughs> All right. Headless Spectre, 1BB for a 2-2 flying. This is... Unplayable. Unplayable. Uh, Plague Engineer. That sounds promising. Uh, 2B for a 2-2 uh, carrier. It has Death Touch. As Plague Engineer enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type your opponents control get minus one, minus one. I think this card is great. This card seems great. Yeah, I think it's great. This is, be- you know, this is better against elves than Force of Despair. Much better. It yes. is much so, better. So two things. One, I mean, you can't even get this one wrong. Like with a real engineered plague, if you had elves and they had elves, yours were dead too, right? With this one, it's just theirs. Yeah. Second of so all. So you could name carriers with this, for example. <laughs> yeah. And it wouldn't hurt itself. Yeah. It's a, it's a resilient plague engineer in that. And it's like really an engineer. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, he's got like a precise schematic about who will live and who will die. Sorry. All right. So. so we're you, talking about the plague engineer. Yeah. So he's not going to kill your team. Second of all, he's just a dude, right? Instead of just being a do-nothing enchantment. Right. But third of all, the thing that's. That seems like a drawback. Enchantments are do-nothing, but they have the ability. They have the added bonus of. Hard to interact with. Yeah. Creatures have the drawback of easy to interact with. But this also has the ability of, like, your opponent has just cast, I don't know, I'm going to say Hordling Outburst, and I hope people understand that I don't actually mean Hordling Outburst. I mean, like, a modern playable version of Hordling Outburst. Sure, sure. And you're just, like, slam this thing down, kill their stuff, like, Ravenous Chupacabra style, and they have to deal with it now, or you're just going to kill them with it. Like, it's, I think it's great. You mean something like, perhaps, Siege Gang Lieutenant. Uh, 3B for a 1-1 Goblin. When Siege Gang Lieutenant enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 red Goblin creature tokens. Sacrifice a Goblin, target player loses one life, and you gain one life. Wow, this card is almost exactly what I was describing with the Horthling <laughs> Outburst, but worse. It costs more mana. And not, as, and not that great against the Plague Engineer. <laughs> yeah, it costs more mana. But, I mean, you could just, like, sacrifice your guys and, like, yeah. nug me. Yeah. That's cool, I guess. It has a cool ability. It's like a lightning healer. Yeah, for a goblin. Yeah, for only four. But it also gets to attack. 
Nah. Nah. The carrier got him. All right. This card I love. I don't know if it's good, but I love it. Umazawa's Charm. 1B for an instant. When I read one. the name of this card, I knew what it did. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Of How could you, you did. not? Of course you did, because it basically does Umazawa's Jute. Target creature I didn't know what it cost. I thought it might cost B only. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, or you gain two life. So you, you think this card has room in, in, in the modern landscape? No idea, but I love it. Okay. Probably if not. It was like, if it was like target player gains two life. Also, oh, you could just kill. You could just get their death shadow. Yeah. I'm How not. sick would that be? So, like, wanting to be for card. plus two, plus two is just clearly not good enough. Wanting to be for minus one, minus one is clearly not good enough. Wanted to, I mean, if it had, like, entwine zero, right? Like, <laughs> I still think it might. Like, imagine if you had a card that was, like, one B, you know, kill that thing, gain two life. It would be tough. It'd be tough for that to make yeah. it in modern. All right. Uh, Undead Augur. This card's very good. BB for a 2-2, Zombie Wizard. Whenever Undead Augur or another zombie you control dies, you draw a card and you lose one life. Yeah, so, I mean, you're obviously going to need to figure out a zombie deck to play this in, but yes. provided there are any we, number of zombies. We've seen versions of zombie decks do very well before modern, like when they were in standard. There's, yeah. there's obviously enough tools that were in standard that, you know, put into the larger pool of modern, you should be able to find something. Maybe. Armies yeah. are zombies. Armies are zombies. Some of the some of the mechanics from Amonkhet block are zombies. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Uh, one of my favorite cards of all time. Same. Uh, unearth. B for sorcery. Return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. For me, often a Yavimaya Elder. Yeah. Um, cycling two. Only cost B. Never cycled it. Ever. Did I play this in my Black Red deck at Pro Tour Secaucus? I might think have. I might have. You might have. That was one of the best decks I ever made. I love this Although card. I didn't make day two. In an era full of Yavamaya Grangers and Yavamaya Elders and all sorts of value cards like that, I love this card. Speaking of Yavamaya Grangers, Yavamaya Elders, and value cards, how did you not think of Ulvenwald Hydra for my commander deck? Oh, I don't know. I just forgot about it. It's just too many cards. Is that card is just like a bigger Primeval yeah, type. You should put that in there. Yeah. So I, I thought about that one myself. That's good. That's a good one. I like that one. Do uh, people play Ulvenwald Hydra? No, I haven't really seen it, but I'm sure they do. But how is it not banned? Like, if Sheldon is banning all the cards that are any kind of, like, primeval titan, how does that one make the cut? I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm gonna, maybe I'll just put it in my green-blue deck and see what happens. He was going to ban it. All right, well, we'll Wait, see. didn't you play my green-white deck at, like, a store tournament in Hoboken and it had Ulvenwald Hydra? I did, yeah. You won that tournament, I did. Right? Nice I did. job. I did. Nice job four years later. P-Naps was, like, over my shoulder, like, yeah. the whole time. He was like, I thought you were going to lose that game. And then I just, I don't remember what I did, but I did something. Like, Your deck had, like, a lot of very super expensive spells. I did something very ungreedy, and he was really proud of me. Uh, Venomous Changeling, uh, whatever. <laughs> and no way this card is worth talking about. Not worth taking any time away from Yogmoth Thran Physician. So... What is the deal with putting this guy into a set 19 years after he's... Gavin Gavin gets excited about checking these things off his list. It's like decades later. He had a will. He had a bargain. He had all this other jazz. Eh. Here's a card. Well, I mean, the card's pretty good. So he's a 2-4 human cleric. Protection from humans. Pay one life. Sacrifice another creature. Put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card. And then it has BB, discard a card, proliferate. 
You think this is a playable card? I think this is a playable card. What strategy? Well, I certainly am going to play the hell out of it in Commander to start with. But uh, I don't know. There's there's certain cards you like. What if you had like two Giraffes Messengers or something with Undying or some way to just cycle two creatures over and is over and over again? Is Messenger a zombie? It is. But this guy is a human cleric. Yeah, that doesn't matter. I'm into the I'm in for the Giraffe's messengers because of the other guy. Yeah, this guy's four. He's like a two four. I mean, this is a pretty pretty powerful uh, pretty powerful ability. It's pretty clunky. I don't I don't know. I don't. He's just like one of those. He's like one of those. This this card. I'm I'm telling you, this card has infinite combo. Matt Nass, Sam Party. Brian Brown doing doing something crazy with this written all over it. This card to me is just like one of those you're just like look at somebody and they're like I like all their parts and like together it just does it it's like a Frankenstein monster. It just doesn't look right. Like <coughs> play my stupid kitchen finks. Sack it. Sack it again. Do something. I don't know. Like yeah, I, I don't know. This, this isn't. I don't I'm not killing in, your things. I'm distributing some counters that I proliferate. All right, so you could have Gerald's messenger, which comes into play with a plus one plus one. Then you sac. So let's say you have two Gerald's messengers, right? So you sacrifice one of the Gerald's messengers to minus one minus one the other Gerald's messengers to take its plus one plus one away. The other one comes into play with a plus one plus one. Sacrifice the first one to take the other one away. Right. So you're paying. You're paying. Two life to gain. I guess it's that two Jarl's messengers and Yagmoth Thran position is infinite combo. Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying that that wasn't that hard to find. I feel like there are other things that this is gonna, you know, you know, unlock. Yeah. All right. It's also a free sacrifice. I mean, not free. You have to pay life, but that's fine. No, no. But in the scenario that you said with two Jarl's messengers, it's better than free. You're gaining your stuff, right? You're gaining yeah. enough life. All right, red cards. Man, I re- misread Aria of Flame like three times. Did you think it was just like a knife across somebody's t-shirt that said "Not today"? I just thought you you gained the ten life. I thought this was like uh. I thought this was a re- mono red mirror breaker. Yeah. You know, but it's um, no. You give your opponent ten life, which seems the opposite of what red wants to do. Yeah, but it's just a different red deck, right? It is. This it is, is like a GH Weiss red deck. Yeah, the, or or a J, or a JVL red deck. Yeah. JVL, known for playing Pyromancer Ascension. You know, this seems like exactly that type of So this card says, when Aria of Flame enters the battlefield, each opponent gains 10 life. That's terrible. That's terrible. (laughs) It's just like absolutely the wrong direction you want to be traveling in a game of Magic. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a verse counter on Aria of Flame. Then it deals damage equal to the number of verse counters. On it to target player or planeswalker. So if you do Aria Flame, all right, Brian's now at 30. So I'm like, all right, I cast an opt, right? Brian's now one. at 29. Yep. Cast another opt. Brian's now at 27. So, yep. And then you bolt me. And now I'm at 21. I mean, I'm out now. <laughs> well, you're going to metamorphose. Yeah. I mean... I feel like there are simpler ways to get the job done. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very excited. I was very excited to talk to you about what you when this was like you gained ten life, I'm like, 
Mike's clearly just going to play this in the red mirror. Seems like. Are you kidding? If it said the same card, but it said I gained Ted Life, this would just be the best card. I would just play it. I was like, the only problem is everyone's just going to play it. No, no, no. It. I would just play this card because everyone would be on the red deck and I would just be one step ahead because I had Arya Flame in my main. It doesn't work that way. No, this, is, this, card is, this card is a lot of work. Um, Firebolt. It's it's so time has passed. This is this is like I'm not even going to offer an opinion on it because no way. If it's playable, you'll let me know. Yes, two two damage sorcery speed for R is just so. I mean, first of all, I don't know the last time I had five land played flashback, yeah. so it's not it's just not going to happen. I think uh, fists of flame one R for draw a card until end of turn. Target creature gains trample and plus one for each card you've drawn. This so turn. this card I've. I think has some possible play to it. You can play like a second turn Gristle style. You can just draw 14 cards. If two of them are Simeon Spirit Guides, you can discard them to make Fists of Flame. The Gristle style will get super big and then you can attack them immediately and win, Ooh. right? So, so you're um, saying this is like a combo piece? You know, it's a kill. Yeah. But I mean, you kind of already need a second turn Gristle style. Yeah. That's the, sure. that's the joke. All right. Uh, we got another force. Force of Rage, 1RR for an instant. If it's not your turn, you may exile a red card, etc. Create two, three, one red elemental creature tokens with trample and haste. I think this card's all right. Yeah, just like a it's ball like a lightning. lightning-ish card. It's like a waylay. Yeah. It's I mean, all right. Also, I mean, you can also just cast it at the end of your opponent's turn. You don't yeah. need to pay You just an cast it on your turn. Yeah. It's all right. It's not the best. I think that there are some stuff that you might want to do with us having extra permanents in play or having tokens or whatever. I think it's okay. It's not bad. Okay. Goat nap. So this is a, one of the big clues as to how Modern Horizons is a limited set. Because this is a cute card, right? So goat nap is two and an R for sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. Yada, yada, yada. We've seen cards like this before, but wait, there's more. <laughs> if that creature is a goat, so if it's like John or Kai. I was just going to say, so if I steal Dark Confidant, yeah. like we agree that if I attack you with a Dark Confidant that I stole with this, it attacks well, Maybe with a Shadow Mage Infiltrator or maybe yeah. a Void Mage Prodigy, but maybe not like a Meddling Mage. Wow. Um, it also gets plus three, plus one, so, so there's Changelings in this set. Yes. So Changelings are goats. So, haha, that's pretty. I mean, I don't know. This card is clearly playable if threatens are playable. It's better than other threatens on the super off chance that they could have a changeling in play. Uh, here's Goblin Champion, Haste Exalted for an 01 for R. How much do you think I've thought about this card? I think you've thought about this card a lot. Yeah, I have thought about this card quite a bit. And then what did you come up with? Not good. <laughs> it's just not. It's too small. It's just, its impact is. What if you drew two? Like the problem is, if you ever go wide, you can't. I mean, this card is. I'm not going to say it's worse than a raging goblin, but it's on the order of a raging goblin, and you just wouldn't play a raging goblin, right? Like, this is like the a mass equivalent of a raging goblin. So, you know, a mass is kind of like a disadvantaged version of like a bitter blossom. So, yeah. like, you just keep going all in on the same permanent. So, like. Instead of having to deal with, like, three permanents, they just only have to deal with, like, one unsummon gets your whole game plan. It's just like that. It's it's not good, I think. Card most likely to do something broken is Goblin Engineer. This is historically a broken card type, you know. Engineer. 
I mean, just like cards that like let you sacrifice an artifact to return an artifact. So one R for a one two. When Goblin Engineer enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card, put it into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. And then it has red tap, sack an artifact, return artifact card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, so it's a it's like a reverse tinkerish type card because you yeah. find the card. Yeah, you put it in your yard. There are any even in just in this set, there are any number of value artifacts that yeah. just like gain a card when they enter the battlefield or something, and yeah. you can sacrifice to get get a get an advantage. I think that it's not getting a game breaking artifact in all likelihood because it only gets stuff that's three or less. Like you could get a bridge. Like a bridge is probably hard for some people to beat. Right. Sure. I can imagine. But you got to get a bridge, and then you've got to wait a whole turn cycle. Yeah, I don't know. To, I, to, this, I don't think, I mean, maybe you can give it haste. Sure. I don't anticipate this card being a huge problem. But mind. historically, you agree that this is a card that historically has done things. I mean, it has, has the word search for an artifact on it. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, it could have. And it, return an artifact from your graveyard. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's the scope of what you can return. Just imagine you just had like two cantrip artifacts. You could just like have this guy, and he's just like flipping them to gain a slight advantage each turn. That's not, that's not great, and it's also very hard for some people to beat. I bet. Yeah. Right. Goblin matron. Um, I I thought this was the card you meant the most likely to do something. <laughs> Obviously, this card is playable in Legacy, so yeah. But it feels like it's missing some of the, maybe the pieces to make it... I think people just haven't tried. Like, most yeah. of the engine cards... I mean, with the exception of Goblin Lackey, obviously, is not legal in Modern. Yeah. But, like, you know, the mana engine cards are available in Modern. The Lords are available in Modern. You can play a lot of the others. I mean, obviously, you're not dropping a 6-6 six, six on turn one, but, right. um, you know, there, some a lot of the other stuff is there. Goblin Auraflom, uh attacking creatures you control to get plus one, plus zero. Red and one for an enchantment. So the previous orcish version of this card was once banned in the standard. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> uh, Goblin War Party 3R for sorcery. Choose one. Uh, create three 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain haste until end of turn. And then there's entwine 2R. So for seven, you could make uh, three 1-1s one, that attack for six. Yes. How novel. Yes. Uh, Sliver, we're going to skip. Lava Dart. Another card that in another year, in another circumstance, would have been playable. But I mean, that card is good at sniping elves. I will give it that. But, you know, Patrick Sullivan and I used to have many spirited debates about whether you should play Lava Dart or Firebolt. I was a Firebolt guy. He was a Lava Dart guy. But he's always been better at managing his time than I have. Okay. Orcish Hellraiser. That is ominous name. 1R for a 3-2. Uh, when Orcish Hellraiser dies, it deals 2 damage to target player or planeswalker, and it has Echo R. So it's basically 3 mana for a 3-2 paid over 2 turns. Yes, or or uh, a card like A that, really slow lightning bolt. Well, to some extent, I mean, like, if you're trying to kill something, or, you know, I mean, it's only player or planeswalker, but if you're trying to, like, hit uh, Liliana or something, you know... I don't think this card is very likely to be played. Yeah. That said, I think Pillage, which is the next card over, yep. might be played. Destroy target artifact or land. It can't be regenerated. Pretty for, flexible. Yeah, for RR1. I think yeah. that's probably pretty good. This Historically card, a playable card. Yeah, including in like an extended. This card was played, I think I played four copies in the first deck I ever won a Pro Tour Qualifier with. Nice. 
plane bound. Well, I mean, we just saw uh, Munwali Acid Moss make the top eight of a modern Pro Tour, which costs four. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously. But that's also a ramping card. Yeah, it had some upside, but still. I mean, but the red deck can play this and kill, like. I mean, you used to say that you could kill, like, a Crumbling Sanctuary, which is one of the reasons why people played it back in the yeah. day. But there's not going to be any Crumbling Sanctuaries on the other side of the table, so I'm not sure what they're worried about killing. I mean, I mean it takes out a Tron piece. It does, but, I mean, if you just want to take out a Tron piece... Like, there's just the, the, freer options to be playing. Well, I mean, just options that deal damage instead of options that give Or, or options that just are your lands, right? Like... Yeah. Where you don't actually have to invest a, a, a real card. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it might be played. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when this was just like a premier card in Magic. Yeah. Uh, Planebound Accomplice, 2R for a 1-3. Red, you may put a Planeswalker card from your hand onto the battlefield. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end set. you got to really be in it for that one turn's ability, right? Yeah. But you could drop this, cast the Elder Spell, and then ultimate them out. But even like emblem-based planeswalkers, it's not not going to be that good. Yeah. Uh, pyrophobia, one R. Uh, sorcery, if pyrophobia deals three damage to target creature. Cowards can't block this. Target. Everyone should have pyrophobia. Yeah. Uh, ravenous giant, two R R for five five. For an uncommon. Uncommon. <laughs> At the beginning terrible. of your upkeep, ravenous giant deals one damage to you. You know, I have a thing on Twitter the other yesterday where I tweeted some guy was going through his, like, old stuff, and he found his Stuyvesant High School newspaper. Yeah. And there was an ad for Neutral Ground in there from 1999. Yeah. And do you know what our slogan was? What? Moxes and Juzams, always in stock. Right? I didn't know that. It was one of them. It was also finally a place to play games in New York. But um, we that was, like, one of our big claims because the two hottest selling cards at all times were Moxes, just as a broad type, yeah. other than Emerald, and Juzams. People always wanted Juzams, and we could we we just struggled to keep them in stock. How much were you paying for them? I mean, you know, paying half of what we were selling. No, no, no. For, what I meant, how much? But I mean, we we were selling them for close to you know in nineteen ninety nine, probably like fifty, sixty bucks. Really? Yeah, they were expensive cards. Maybe Even more. then, they might have been upward of a hundred dollars at that point. Wow! Now you can get them for a buck. <laughs> yeah, in red. In red. Uh, Season Pyromancer. This is the card I was thinking of earlier. This is a really interesting card, but this is like this is way more of a Jerry Thompson card than a Mike Flores card. One RR, I mean, you're just selling it hard, then, right? Like, I think this is a Jerry Thompson. I mean, like, I mean that in the, I don't yeah. mean that in a pejorative yeah, way. No, I, mean, I, I think Jerry Thompson is like a, a yeah. I admire him. I'm just like, but you're not going to confuse the decks that he builds with the decks that I build. One right? RR for a two-two human shaman. When it enters battlefield, discard two cards, then draw two cards. Uh, for each non-land card discarded this way, create a 1-1 one, one red elemental creature token. So pretty, but, it, it puts a little onus on the card. You can't just go, oh, I'll get rid well, of my land. Actually, I think that if this is your last card, it's pretty good. Yeah. Right? So you don't gain any 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens, but you just draw. Right. Also... And uh, it's an awesome divination. Right. And then Season Pyromancer is 3RR Exile. Season Pyromancer from your graveyard. Create 2-1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens. Yeah, so it, it's like... This is, like, real grind. Like, if you want to get, like, a slight advantage over a long period of time, this is a good way to grind for it. Yeah. I, I really... I think this card excels as being your last card. Um, 
it's possible that if you're like discarding lava darts, fire bolts, right? Um, you know, faithless lootings, those cards are lava all... dart and faithless looting is where my brain went. Yeah, with these. that's okay. Um, but the, just my whole thing is modern is I have like a paradigm for how to play modern, and it's just like look, most of the games are decided inside of four turns. Like I so I just exclude anything that doesn't. If, I'm going to say win, but I mean, like, generate an overwhelming advantage inside of four turns is good enough for win for me. Otherwise, I would exclude every other idea. Like, that's why I, I've i talked to a lot of our mutual friends about, like, how much I like certain of the Azorius cards, but I just wouldn't play any of them. But you can even cast some of them inside of four turns. We, we missed a red card that was in here um, that was out there. Throws of Chaos. Oh, yeah. Is this the card you like? <clears throat> so this card is... Fascinating. 3R for a sorcery. Cascade. <laughs> Retrace. Yeah. <laughs> so this Those card, are the only things so, this card does. Yeah, so this card's pretty cool. If you cast it at four, it casts something. Yeah. Presumably you have a card that you can cascade into in your deck. Right. Right? And then every time you draw a land, you could just play this from your graveyard. Right. So you could cascade into a Wheel of Fortune or a Balance... Or a living death, right? You know, all the suspend, free suspend cards that, uh, you know, if you, if you wanted to. I was actually just thinking about playing regular cards with this, right? That you were just, just thinking cost- about this as a value card, just convert your land into... into yeah, I mean, like, you could have one copy of this in a Life from the Loam deck, and you're just like... Just retrace. I mean, you just cast it the first time, and sure. it gets your Astral Slide or whatever, and sure. then, like... You just re- all right. I would always have a spare land, right? right? Go so get your seismic assault and your you or, and or your life wall. Stuff's gonna come, right? Yeah. Like, it's just gonna come by itself, and so uh, I think this card is pretty cool. Uh, it is extraordinarily expensive for just a like. It doesn't even have the inherent card economy of an inspiration. So. <laughs> So you you really need to be in it for some yeah. <laughs> for some turns, but the thing is it's inevitable. Like you right. like the blue deck can't really if if, like, if we're going to go a lot of turns, but I can't really beat this card. Right? right, it has it has a true inevitability to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's all life alone. You're probably going to win that game. Yeah, so it's it's just going to get there. All right, let's talk about some green cards. Ayula, Queen Among Bears. I want these bear cards to be so good. I mean, like... 1G for a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever another bear enters the battlefield under your control, choose one, put two plus one plus one counters on target bear, or target bear you control fights another creature you don't control. So this card is just a 2-2 two, two bear for one and a G. It's a legendary bear. I have played the equivalent of grizzly bears and Baldivian bears in constructed deck. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. Okay, so... Like, this card is just... I just want it to be good so much. I I, yeah, I don't know. Modern is very, very strong format. But, like, this is just, like, such an upside bear. Like, if any bears are good, like, I don't know. It's... And, like, don't you... This is, like, an inspiring magic card. I, I love this. I mean, obviously, I, you know I love a Grizzly Fate. Yeah, so the, the next card over is Ayula's Influence, which is GGG for an enchantment. Discard a land card, create a 2-2 green bear creature token. Just these two cards in Life from the Loam is a deck. <laughs> right? Like, you don't even need another color. Right. Right? I mean, like, you could just be making... And everyone, yeah, they become 4-4s. Like, every turn. I mean, just... 
you just get three lands, discard three lands, make three four fours, life from the loom, get three lands. Like at four mana, I mean, just yeah. Like, it's absurd, yes. right? And then you you always make your land drop, right? right? Like yeah, like yeah. If, if one of your lands is just wooded foothills, right? You just need one of them to be wooded foothills. Yeah. Like uh, honestly, this card in Life from the Loom, I uh, I influence and Life from the Loom. You don't even, you don't even need, need you don't even need the queen, right? Like yeah, this is like. I think that I would play at least one copy of Iula's Influence in my Life from the Loam deck just because I think this is a sweet way to win the game. <laughs> it, it's super inevitable. This is an instant speed effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, this card's great. Uh, collector Oof. 2-2. Two, two. Activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. So you could just play this card with a Mycosynth Lattice and you don't even need the Karn. Yeah. Grant, it hits you also. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um... Yeah, this card's vintage players have been like, ooh, we've got so many tools. But this is like a fast way to interact with with Affinity, right? Yeah. Just, you get a clock down and they're turned. Like, if you're going first and you just play this, you just turn off all their future Archimed Ravagers. Yeah. Uh, Deep Forest Hermit. 3GG for a 1-1 creature with Vanishing 3. When Deep Forest Hermit enters the battlefield, create four 1-1 green squirrel tokens. Squirrels you control get plus one, plus one. So this is... You've got to love this card. Basically a deranged hermit, but, but you don't have to Basically a mile better. But yeah, you don't have to pay the echo. And it'll go away eventually, but deranged hermit had vanishing one. Yeah, but like, <laughs> what if you had like momentary blink in your deck? Right, yes. Yeah, or any way to reset this. Yeah, it's... I've, I've been trying to make blink decks in modern for years, but they haven't been fast enough. But like, I mean, I don't know. You pretty much have to pay retail for this card the first time around, which is yeah. kind of against my modern rules. <laughs> Elvis Fury, move on. Uh, Force of Vigor. So this is uh, our last card in the cycle. If it's not your turn, you may exile a green card from your hand, blah, blah, blah. Destroy up to two target artifacts and or enchantments. Two GG. Instant. Yeah? Not interested? Garbage. Not interested. I guess, I mean, I'm just not... Two target artifacts. Yeah, whatever. I can kill two target artifacts. Playing Matt Nass. It's funny that you think that I'm getting to turn four and he hasn't beaten me yet. You can play it on turn one. You can pitch a green card. You could two for two him. This is the one of these that's actually not that disadvantageous. All right. I'm not into it. No? Okay. All right. You've you've convinced me. Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't love it that much. Uh, Genesis. Yeah, so that's going to go into my my commander deck. (laughs) That's That's where it should be. Uh... Glacial Revelation. Did I play Genesis on the Pro Tour ever? I must have. You must have. I don't remember, though. Glacial Revelation, 2G for a sorcery. Reveal the top six cards in your library. You put may put any number of snow permanent cards from among them into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. Oh, my God. Very Michael J. This is just the Michael J. trap. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is some kind of gift of the gargantuan. Michael got caught in the snow. <laughs> it gets you so many lands. Do you, love, do you love this? I don't know how seriously I will explore the snow mechanics, but they are pushing this pretty hard. I think the best card in the set is a snow card. Is that the Wrath? Snow Wrath? No. The Snow Coatl is the best. Oh, okay. That card is absurd. Draw a card and then Death Touch? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hex Drinker. So this is a lever. So there's like a little sampling of all these different mechanics that are... They just jammed every keyword they could into this set. Yeah. 
It's got snow. It's got legends. Well, snow's a theme, though. There's a lot of it's snow. It's got level up. It's but level, I, mean, I didn't see a lot of levelers, but green for a snake. It starts out as a 2-1. This card is all right. It's 2-1 for Gene. This card starts out really good. And then if you can get it to level 3, it has protection from instant and, and it becomes four, a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, so for 3 total mana, right? Oh, no, 4 total mana, right? Yeah. Yeah, 4-4 four, four protection. That's, that's, a, that's a big ask. But if you can get it to 8? It becomes a 6-6 six, six protection from everything. See, I think that that's the thing. That's, I think that it's not hard to get it to 8. Well, I mean, certainly once you get it to four, 3, it becomes a little easier. Um, all right, we got another bear here. Another 2-2 two, two bear. Mother bear. Mother bear. Uh, what, 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 is that a common? Yeah. Okay, so it's 1G for a 2-2. Two, two. It has 3GG exile mother bear. From your graveyard, create two green bear creature tokens. Activate this ability only anytime you can cast sorceries. Man, that last sweet. clause is the thing that card seems kind of sweet, though. If he, if it didn't have that sorcery clause, then this card would be really yeah. good. Just like nice life from the loom, get rid of it, you know. Yeah, but I don't want a sorcery speed five mana. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nantuko um, Cultivator, uh, uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, you may discard any number of land cards. Put that many counters on it and draw that. Many and then cards. draw that many cards. Yeah. This card's good. In our life from the loom deck. Is this a reprint, Nantuko Cultivator? Maybe. Uh, I know Nimble Mongoose is. I'm in. Goose loose. That guy's always been good. Yeah. Not for us, but for, Not other for people, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we tried. Uh, regrowth. Yeah. A, 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 what a do you think is more to likely to be good, Regrowth or Savage Swipe? Savage Swipe seems very good. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be better than Regrowth. Savage Swipe is G, sorcery, target creature you control, gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If its power is two, then it fights target creature you don't control. So you can have a regular creature fight, but if it's two, it gets, if it's got two, it becomes gets plus two, plus two. Yeah. So Snapcaster Mage is like or just like a 4-3 fight with this. Put things that have two power in your deck. Yeah. This card is like yeah. super efficient. Uh, so then he just gets in, right? Yeah. Then you slam them for four. Scale up, G, until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a green worm with base power toughness 6-4. Yeah. And then overload four GG. It's never gonna come to that, no. right? It's just like first turn Glistener Elf, second turn this thing, and then one pump spell they're dead. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, certainly seems like the way it goes it's one pump spell right? yeah yeah maybe then a few turns later i'll cast yogmoth and then start discarding stuff so i can proliferate them yeah let's do it uh spore frog i mean what is this Kami of the yeah famous frog spring bloom druid 2g uh for a one one hold on mike when spring bloom druid enters the battlefield you may sacrifice the land if you do search your library for up to two basic land cards Put them onto the battlefield, tap the shuffle in your library. It's a Harrow. Well, it's, it's Harrow came into play untapped, right? Yeah, but... Let me say I get a 1-1? One, one. Yeah, and you get a 1-1. One, one. I'm a hard pass on this guy. You're going to hard pass on hard this pass. guy? yeah. You get to one tackle and get two lands. Yeah. On three, you go to four. Yeah, but I'm sacrificing stuff. You sacrifice a land. Yeah. But then you search your library for up to two lands and you put them onto the battlefield. You're up a land and a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, but like... Listen, Pilgrim's Eye. This is substantially... Oh, if you're going to put it that way. I don't know. You think? I don't know. I mean, you're putting it in your commander deck for sure. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Squirrel Nest. 
<laughs> it's uh, Squirrel Ness that won the Pro Tour. Yeah. Sliver will go, we'll move along. Uh, to Unbound Flourishing, Enchantment 2G. Whenever you cast a permanent spell with a mana cost that contains X, double the value of X. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell or activate an ability, if that spell's mana cost or that ability's activation cost contains X, copy that spell or ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So this is like Genesis Hydra, Fireball. Yeah. This is a fun card, right? Not like a good card. So permanent spell, you double. Instant yep. or sorcery, you copy. Yeah, so let's say you play this on turn three for three mana. Then turn four, you play a forecasting cost. Uh, you know, what's one of those artifacts that comes into play? You play with? some Hydra that's G. No, I was thinking just like, what, what's, the, what's the name of that guy who's real good? Walking Ballista. Yeah. Four mana Walking Ballista would be a 2-2, two, two, right? It would be a 4-4 four, four Walking Ballista. Right. That's pretty good. If on turn one you start off with a uh, Hardened Scales, Ooh. it might be even better. And obviously, let's say you cast Stream of Life. <laughs> <laughs> turn four, yeah. If turn you three, three, Stream of Life. You can get two Stream of Lifes. All right. Weather the Storm. Uh, this card's actually pretty interesting. I know it's a common, but it's one green instant. You gain three life Storm. So this card is like two mana counter an entire Legacy stick, right? Yes. Like you just beat everybody's deck. Yes. They're yes. like, all right, go off against you. I have storm equals whatever. And they're like, I'm storm I've equals got storm three equals times yeah. storm whatever. Yeah. That was a nice deck. So I think like this is just a big FU to some people. This is this card is definitely a big FU. Because like it's also in green, which is the most uncombo-rific um, color. Yeah. So I think that's all, all we're going to have time for today. We'll, do, we'll come back again next week. I'll actually have played with these cards. Yeah. When we come when back is the, is the pre-release isn't this week? No, but it? the pre-pre-release is. So I get to play with the cards. What are you most excited to play with from this set? I kind of want to see what the blue-green snow deck looks like in draft. Well, the blue-green snow creature is the best card in the yeah. set so far. Yeah. That card is very comparable to cards that are legacy staples. But let's be honest. What I really want to do is draft slivers. Yeah, but are you going to be playing against Jake Van Lunen? I am because not going to be playing against Jake Van Lunen. There's not going to be any slivers I will be playing against MTG Nerd Girl and Kenji Igashira and uh, some of the Loading Ready Run people and, you know, so, my, and Michael Majors from right. Wizards of the Coast. So I have one thing to ask you about before we sign off. But we'll do, we'll do gold cards, artifact cards, and slivers. Next week. This is a and maybe we'll have the rest of the set. This is too. a Canadian podcast. Yeah. And something happened in Canada last oh, week. Oh yeah, Toronto. So I was at I was at a bunch of dinners last week and people were asking me about how I thought the finals were gonna go. And I kept saying things like, Well, of the two teams that are in the East, I still think, you know, Golden State has the advantage, but and people were saying things to me like because at this point, Toronto was down 0-2. Yeah. They're like, what are you talking about? Giannis and I'm like, look, the series isn't over. I understand that 80% of teams that start off 2-0 tend to win the series. But, like, it's not over. And they're, like, not a bad team. I think, you know, this is a team that's, like, won close to 60 games multiple times. And I actually just want to say Let's congratulations. Let's start coming out while we do it. Yeah. To all of our Canadian friends and especially our Canadian listeners because... Great job, guys. This is the first for your franchise. Um, and I'm just super happy for people. Where do you have Ka Kawhi right now in the NBA power rankings? 
He's been absurd. There's like some recency on this, but I, I haven't won. I think he's <laughs> the best player in, in on either team. Right. Uh, and that's adjusted for things like Durant you, might not come back. If he comes back, he's going to be hurt. Uh, I think that Curry is a threat to be the best player. Yeah, so, I was going to say Curry is. But I think he's so. I mean, if you lay it out, like Lowry is a star caliber player. It's not Curry level. Kind of fat. <laughs> But he's still a Star Caliber player. Uh, I like Van Fleet. I think yeah. he's a. Uh, I mean, he's certainly had the biggest rise in his stock value. He played well in the playoffs last year. Yeah. I mean. But I'm, I'm talking about from the regular season oh, to okay. the playoffs this year. But I got to say, I have been saying for years that I like Danny Green better than, than Clay Thompson. And I think those are two players with very similar profile. Sure. And I mean. Who's going to guard? Kawhi if KD doesn't come back? Is it going to be Iggy? Oh, I think it's going to be Iggy. Iggy's a better defensive player than KD either way. Okay. Right? I mean, but like, he's a better defensive player, but Kawhi just still stacks up really well. I think it's, I think this is, uh, here's the tough spot, right? Danny Green's an outstanding defensive player. He can cover a splash brother, right? Kawhi plays against the other splash brother. If there's no KD, that's a really good setup. Okay. Right. If there's a KD, I mean, like, you literally just have to leave Clay, <laughs> and Clay is potentially the hottest player in the NBA. Right. So clearly, between the three wings, right. Right. I mean, Curry's not really a wing, but yeah, between between the three, you know, wingish scoring guys that that they have on that team, Clay is the least dangerous. Right. But that's terrible. <laughs> Right, so, I mean, if this were five years ago, I would really like Ibaka. It's not five years ago. Though, yeah. Right, like, I think Ibaka is somewhere between a trap and a glass cannon. <laughs> um, but, you know, Ibaka has certainly had games in the last couple of years where he was the best player, by performance, Right. the best player on either team. So, I don't know, I don't, I'm not a big Ibaka believer at this point. Like, on that OKC team, Ibaka was possibly the best power forward in the league. Right. That was many years ago at this point. How many games is the series going to go? Six. Who's going to win? You know who's going to win. I, oh, I'm curious who you think Great gonna... run, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Golden State is – Golden State since 2015 or whatnot has been the best assembled NBA team in the history of the league. I mean, I think like I the idea that KD. I would have said that in 2014. Like the idea that KD that. might not play in this series, and no one seems overly concerned about it, is tells you yeah, just but, how I mean, overpowered they are. I think that the so, I think that there's just like a randomness factor. The Raptors have been on the wrong side of LeBron James for the last four or five years, yep. right? So, I think Masai Ujiri. You know, the nightmare of New York fans, Masai Ujiri, put together the team, the what would have been the team of the future since he came to Toronto. Oops, LeBron decided he was just going to come home, right? And made their lives miserable for four years. But the same randomness factor that did that in the East <laughs> just annihilated. I, I actually thought that L.A. would contend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, LeBron's never missed 30 games before, right? right. So, uh, I mean, he got he got hit in the manhood, which is a real bad place to get hit. Uh, he was out for forever. He wanted to play. I mean, he has his legacy. 
Yep. And they're like, shut it down. Uh, and I guess he listened. But he's on a disaster trip right now, right? So people are saying Kawhi's going to go to the Clippers. I mean, I thought Kawhi was just going to, like, try to cash in his title in Toronto, go to the Lakers and do a dynasty with LeBron. But if he goes to the Clippers, I don't I, Maybe LeBron never so makes the playoffs again. So you're assuming again. KD to the Knicks, Kawhi to the Clippers? I think that, I mean, smart money. I don't know if it's smart. I mean, people are saying Kyrie and, and, and KD to the Knicks. Right. I mean, Katie's a good friend of LeBron. I, I don't know yeah. who's going to. LeBron is certainly not playing alone next year. No, he's okay. apparent. Yeah, he's apparently been working the working the waiver wire. I mean, they might have they might have three, you know, top five in their position guys next year. You know, so like I could easily see some superstar power forward and then two brilliant wings on that team, which is going to be good enough to you know. Who knows? I mean. Especially if Golden State breaks up, that Golden State team would not have won three three years out of four without KD. Right. I mean, for sure I mean, the Cavs would have gotten one of those. I think mean, there's always a very reasonable chance too that they just keep KD somehow. I mean, do you think that they've got like the Popovich connection that all these guys are going to take bottom? They're not. Like, if you if you could get fifty million dollars, you wouldn't take it. Uh, maybe not. LeBron I, took hundred and fifty four. Right? Have, he is have, not he, a balloon contract guy. You have guy. enough money to last you for your lifetime. I might care more about my work environment and my legacy than there's there's certainly some number where I just don't care how many more zeros you pile on. I a million Personal. percent agree with you. Personally. But I think what it's the difference between like you're just like, all right, wow, twenty five million dollars. Duncan did not have a bad life. Yeah. $25 million and $50 million are both large enough amounts of money that, like, it's a stupid amount for you. Sure. But at some point, you're like, well... How here's, much- here's my plan, right? I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm going to fire my agent. <laughs> right? I'm going to like, look, just negotiate the hell out of me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm keeping it all. Yeah. So you can screw me over here a little bit. But and- what I'm saying is, like, imagine... It's just what, to what you're saying, like, what is the amount of good I can do in the world with the extra $25 million? That's actually the thing. Sure. If you're a guy like LeBron who's already giving away his fortune sure. while he's in yeah, his that's, 30s. That's a fair point. Right? Like, I mean, people don't do that, right? LeBron's literally point. throwing his fortune to to less fortunate people sure. right now. And so if you're that kind of a person, I think the difference between 25 and $50 million dollars matters no, that, because that matters. you just yes. put 4,000 kids through college. Sure. Yeah. Right? So... Or you could put another superstar onto your team. <laughs> but, like, maybe you're just like, I'm already the best. Like, like, look, Katie's got two finals MVPs. Kawhi's got a finals MVP. What do they need to prove? I think, well, I think I think KD clearly just wants to prove that he can. He's not LeBron. I think neither. First of all, both of these guys are wonderful players. Giannis is a wonderful player. None of those three is going to be considered the premier small forward of this 25-year block sure. of the NBA. None of them are. It doesn't matter what they do. That's, But I don't think that... I think KD... I think KD wants his legacy to be, like, something, right? Like, I turned the Clippers into a winner, or I returned a banner to Madison Square Garden, or something along those lines where he can feel like he is the main player. Oh, I am not disagreeing with you. You're the one who said that they're going to try to keep KD. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm no, saying they're, they're not. I'm saying they might try. I don't know. I mean, of course they're going to try. Yeah. I mean, the, the, so here's the thing. Clay not getting max money. Oh, yeah. That that's was... a thing. 
it actually screws up their plans, right? Because they were like, they're like, they were, they're socking away for the future. Yeah. So I don't know about this Clay not getting Max money. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even understand what happens there, but. I mean, the, I think that they, they have to overpay in order to retain all these guys. So if they have, like, regular contract money, they suddenly become subject to the rules. Oh. Like that. <laughs> They're like, oh, if it's $5,200 million contracts, no problem. We can just Silicon Valley this thing. They're like, oh, is this a regular max contract also? What, what do you mean salary cap? <laughs> How does this work? I got to go. I got to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning to fly to Canada. So, Canada, I'll see you in a couple days. Great job, Canada. Uh, welcome, Brian David Marshall, Pro Tour Historian Emeritus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> like virtual card advantage? I did, yes. 